Yo, what is going on guys? My name is Jake from the MA Weekly Podcast and today I am going to be recording the fourth ever episode of the MMA Weekly Podcast and I'm sorry that this episode is a day late. I was very swamped with training yesterday. I had a big training session in Jiu-Jitsu yesterday so uh, I had to arrive early and be home late and uh, you know I made it back just in time to see the press conference which I will be discussing later along with the UFC 227 breakdown and of course some of your questions. Before I jump into it guys make sure to like, subscribe, comment and share on this episode. It, I, I really appreciate it when you give me good feedback and just give me questions for the podcast so thank you very much to everyone that does give me questions but without further ado let's jump in so without a doubt the first thing that i do have to cover is the biggest news in mma right now which is conor mcgregor is returning to fight khabib Nurmagomedov for the lightweight title on october 6th ufc 229 las vegas t-mobile arena main event 155 lightweight title and I gotta say, I was speculating all night, and if you follow my Twitter, JDX16Davis, by the way, if you were following my Twitter, I was tweeting all night waiting for that announcement, and, I mean, the press conference was like 30 to 35 minutes late and delayed, so a lot of people were speculating, saying, uh, the speculation was that they were either waiting for Khabib or Connor to arrive at the press conference. But in the end, I think they were waiting for Nate Diaz because he was late for the press conference, as you all know if you watched it. Um, sorry about this. So, uh, here we go. Um, so, Nate Diaz was late for the press conference. I think that's what all the holdup was. But, I mean, I mean, you know, I think it was the second question from uh, John Morgan was, uh, you know, we all want to know about it. What's going on with Khabib versus McGregor right now? And Dana just said, "Yeah, well, you know, the fight's close, but nothing is official yet. They're not going to be here, so yeah, stop asking about it." But at the end of the press conference, after James Vick and Justin Gaethje stopped bantering and Derek Brunson stopped calling Israel Adesanya skinny, uh, Dana White said that he had one more thing to show the audience which was obviously the promo for year C229, you know, showing highlights from April, uh, the whole bus attack, and just a couple of highlights from both men. So, UFC 229, I'm going to go a little... Well, on the on the emotional side of my brain, I'm, I ha- I'd have to pick Connor, because I, I think that Connor... I think he can he can get into Khabib's head. He's going to be able to toy with him, and like if we're being honest about this, McGregor is going to be able to get into Khabib's head. He will, you know. Khabib is already angry at McGregor for everything that happened. I mean, how could you not be? And I've got to say, I haven't really forgiven McGregor, but there's no denying this now. McGregor is in Khabib's head. But uh, I think Khabib could could get into. Uh, inside Connor's head in the lead up to the fight, we've seen he's been a bit more vulnerable lately. 
uh, you know, with the whole Mayweather loss, uh, the Diaz loss, the, you know, the trash talk with Eddie Alvarez, and I know that was all a couple of years ago, but he now knows that he can be beaten by a stronger, more athletic person, and that's exactly what Khabib is. He's a stronger, more athletic person. And analytically speaking, I think Khabib, I think his ground game is better than Connor's striking game. And what I mean by that is, Connor is a great striker. I mean, he loves to walk you down. He loves to counter. He's he, he is great on the feet, and nobody can deny that. He he is a great fighter on the feet, and his takedown defense is something that I think a lot of people haven't seen. I mean, I used to tell myself for years when I used to hate McGregor because he was just too arrogant and everything. I used to say he's got no ground game, but. Ultimately, he doesn't need to have one because his takedown defense is so good. But I think Khabib is just more advanced on the ground than anyone that McGregor has ever fought. Because Khabib, he's not like other fighters who look to take you down for points and then hop back up to their feet or let you escape so they can just keep taking you down. Khabib wants to take you to the ground and he wants to hold you there and he wants to smash you. For five rounds straight. Khabib is not a finisher. That's, I mean, that's simple math. I mean, Khabib, he can finish fights if he wants to. But he isn't a finisher. He doesn't go out there and aim for the finish. He goes out there and he tries to beat you. And that that's that's Khabib's game. McGregor, on the other hand, he wants to finish you. He, he wants you to feel like there's no hope, and then he wants to make you collapse. Khabib wants to make you feel like there's no hope and there's no outside, but there is a fifth round that he can beat you up in. So, um, I think this one, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think, because some people think that Khabib's going to get slept in the first round, some other people think that uh, McGregor is just going to get beaten down, and he's going to He's going to wimp out in the first round. But honestly, I see this fight going maybe four, between between three and five rounds. I think it doesn't, I think it goes past the first two rounds. And that's when Connor is at his strongest. And that's usually when Khabib is at his strongest. And I think they're both going to outdo each other then because Connor. In the in the third round, the minute that he that he hit the third round against Nate, which was at one seventy, and Nate is a lot bigger and a lot stronger, and McGregor's cardio was he was very very fatigued at that point. But in the third round against Diaz, I you could easily see that as a ten eight, and I think it was scored as a ten eight because Diaz he just pulled him up against the fence and he just put a beating on him. McGregor did not have the stamina. He didn't have, he was just so fatigued from that that he could not keep his hands up properly. And I, I think that's that's something that Khabib could buy into if he goes to the ground or if he holds onto him in the clinch. So I think the first two rounds are going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty back and forth, but no one's really going to be able to land or establish anything significant because. I mean, they'll be throwing big shots. I mean, Khabib is going to be looking to... I mean, Khabib is going to be probably overextending. McGregor is going to be trying to throw that left hand, but Khabib is going to be looking 
that double leg, that single leg, going to try and get in, trying to get inside the clinch, look for trips, takedowns, just to bully him. McGregor is just going to be looking to avoid all of that, and Khabib is going to be, you know, try. I think one thing that Khabib is definitely going to do, uh, especially in the first, in the first two, three rounds, maybe, is being really cautious about even punching with McGregor. Not just punching, like, trading with him, but just punching, you know, near him. Because McGregor, uh, you know, he, he catches guys when they're overextending. And probably most famously is the Jose Aldo knockout. It's because Aldo overextended on that on that right hand. I think Khabib might do the same uh, with with those big loopy kind of weird hooks that he throws, and that that's a perfect lineup for for McGregor to finish him. But we really don't know how good McGregor's you know his sambo defense is because what Khabib does is not wrestling and it's not jujitsu; it's sambo. It's a whole new breed, and I mean Khabib mixes it in with everything in his game, you know. Uh, his wrestling, his judo, um, his boxing, his striking, just everything. So definitely the first two rounds going to be back and forth. McGregor looking to finish him early. Khabib looking for that takedown. And I think up until about round three, they're not really going to be able to land any of that. And then by round three, McGregor, he's going to start, going to start landing that jab efficiently. He's going to start popping out that left hand. When he when he likes it because Khabib's chin will be exposed, and I think he's gonna maybe try a little bit too hard in the first two rounds to maybe get the finish because you know there's gonna be a lot of hype behind this fight. So uh, I think he might be able to. I think he's gonna want to push the knockout in the first two rounds to show that he is the best lightweight in the world. And I think if he wins, he is without a doubt the best lightweight in the world. But you can't count out Khabib. Because McGregor is going to gas out. I know he is going to gas out in some point in this fight if he doesn't get it done in the first two rounds. Because McGregor lasts about eight minutes and that's it. After that, he's fatigued fighting. You know, he, he can't really last. You know, against the, in the second fight against Diaz, yeah, he pushed himself. And he pushed himself in, into the fifth round. But that third round just showed how fatigued he was so if Khabib you know when McGregor is tired that's when he wants to start you know really throwing off those big loopy left and right hooks when McGregor he doesn't really have the power to hit Khabib when he's overextending so I think the third round will probably be Khabib's if it goes that far now I'm you can't quote me on this but I see the fight going to the fifth round, and then I think someone gets a finish. Either McGregor comes in and he just walks Khabib down, controls him. Khabib tries to sprint back in with a takedown or uh, some punches, and McGregor and McGregor hits him with that left hand. Or Khabib is just able to establish control after the third round and TKOs him in the fifth. But anyway, I see this fight being a lot longer than people can than people usually would see it going so yeah that's that's my take on the fight uh i just wanted to throw that in because it is the biggest news in mma right now if floyd may if floyd mayweather announced he was coming to mma last night still wouldn't be the biggest news
But yeah, that was just my take on the fight. You know, it's going to be a really, really fun fight. So, you know, I think without a doubt, this is probably gonna probably gonna break the record for all time pay per view buys. Um, I think it might set the record for all time. You know, I don't think anyone's gonna beat it. Other than that, maybe Diaz versus McGregor three. That would make two million easy. That would make two million buys easy. So. So, uh, yeah, that was just my take on the fight. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. You know, the podcast is not over, but I'm just going to go straight into the other part of the podcast. I just want to throw this bit in just so you guys could get my take on the fight. And, uh, yeah, now let's jump into the main section of the podcast. So, USC 227 coming up tonight, guys. I hope you're all excited. I hope you're all happy and pleased with the card we have because it is a pretty jacked card on tonight. So, I'm just going to run down the fights that I think you guys will probably want to watch. Um, I'm sorry if I don't do if I don't do some of the fights that you wanted to see. Make sure to tell me down in the comments, and I will give a quick take to you. So the first fight that I want to run down is Pedro Munoz versus Brett Johns. Now Brett Johns coming off his first professional loss against Aljamain Sterling. I think that was just a little too much, a little too fast for Brett Johns. He was undefeated coming into that fight. Uh probably uh got, you know, his kind of his quote unquote fame after his calf slicer over Joe Soto. And I think John's is a really interesting guy. He has so much potential. And if he can be, you know, a, a like a, a real killer like Munoz, then I think that it definitely it will definitely set him far into the the one hundred and thirty five pound division. But Pedro Pedro Munoz is no pushover and I think I don't know, I don't I think Algermain Sterling Right now, is still the toughest test of John's career, but Pedro Munoz is right up there, man. Because I ha- I've had my eye, I ha- I've had my eye on him for a while, and I think he has the potential to get to the top of the division. But a young, hungry guy like John's, we don't know how he's going to fare against that. I mean, I th- I'm I'm pretty split on this fight. Um. You know, I like Munoz, I like Johns, but um, I'm going to have to go with Brett Johns on this one. I think he's going to, I think, I think the John, I think that Munoz is probably going to beat Johns in maybe the, in the first round. I see it going three rounds and I see Johns starting to pick it up in the later rounds then. I, I, I think Munoz maybe just, you know, tries to finish it a little too much and then uh John's you know he takes it to the ground looks looks for those chokes and i see John's winning by submission in the third round so um again do not quote me on any of this stuff because sometimes i just don't know what i'm talking about so for this fight my official prediction is Brett John's to defeat Pedro Munoz by way of submission in round 3 and kicking off the pay-per-view card, we have the number 13 contender, Tiago Mareta Santos, 
versus Kevin Holland. Now, Kevin Holland, is a, he's a UFC newcomer. He was on the uh, Contender Series not too long ago. And if I'm being honest, okay, uh, where was he? Oh, yeah, uh, Kevin Holland, UFC newcomer. Uh, he was on the Contender Series. But I think this is just too much of a step up for him because Santos at one time was considered to be the hottest prospect in the middleweight division and he was just knocking guys clean out. Obviously that loss to David Branch set him back a little bit but right now I think Santos he has a lot of potential left. He just needs to face some top guys and you know rocket his way up to the division. And Kevin Holland, uh, I did not see his Contender Series fight. Um, I didn't, but uh, I've been told by a couple of friends that he is pretty good. But Santos, he's just, he's a veteran. He's been around for a long time. Holland is just not going to be able to hang with a proper elite guy like him. You know, he's ranked number 13 in the world. He's got a lot of knockout wins, fought a lot of... High class guys, you know, Gegard Musasi, David Branch, the the list goes on and on, really. So, um, what's gonna happen? I really don't know. So, um, I know that Santos is gonna take the victory, but what round he's gonna take the victory in is a bit of a tough one. So, but I'm gonna go with Thiago Santos knocks out Kevin Holland in the second round. Again, do not quote me on that, but I'm going to say Santos knocks out Holland by way of, well, strikes in the second round. Uh, the next fight that I want to cover is not the next fight on the main card. I have skipped Pollyanna, uh, Vivi- uh, Viviana versus JJ Aldrich, just because I don't think that people are going to want coverage on that. If you do, make sure to tell me and I'll give you a quick breakdown of that. But uh, Swanson versus Moicano is the next fight that I re- that I want to cover. And what do I feel about this fight? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus! This is going to be a good fight because Swanson, you know, he fought Frankie Edgar twice. Who fights Frankie Edgar twice willingly and gets beaten twice? Swanson is just he's one of the awesome he's one of the absolute most elite guys in the Federal Division. He's been around for such a long time, such just such an elite guy. And a guy in Moicano who really had a lot of potential coming into the Brian Ortega fight last year. I think that that was you know, I think that Ortega was just a little too well rounded at the time for him. But he had so much potential coming into that fight. And if that was another opponent, I think we'd be seeing Moicano on the verge of a title shot right now. Because he has so much potential. He's a young veteran in the sport. You know, he's been top contenders like Calvin Cater. And, you know, he beat Jeremy Stevens in his second UFC fight. And that's, that's, that's not too shabby. But, you know... We're talking about a real veteran in Cub Swanson here. Moicano, I think, I think Moicano 
He's probably going to take the advantage on the ground if it goes to the ground. I don't think that's something that he's going to necessarily look. I don't think he's going to necessarily look to take it to the ground because he stood up with a hot prospect like Calvin Cater. And, you know, not a lot of people will probably do that if they had, the, if they had, you know, the advantage to go to the ground. They would against a guy like that. But he stood and traded with him for during that fight. So, you know, there's no denying that he can stand and bang with, uh, with, I think Swanson is a little more unorthodox than Calvin Cater. But, you know, if we're talking... We're getting down to 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 the brass tacks now. Swanson, he's been around for a, a stupidly long time, you know, since the early WEC days. So he ha- he definitely has the ex- the experience advantage. One hundred percent, he does. And oh, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one, guys. But I'm gonna go with. I'm going to go with Mike Hanno on this one. I'm going to take a long shot. I think that uh, leg kicks might play a big factor in this one. I think that Mike Hanno is going to throw a lot of leg kicks to kind of uh, just to kind of slow down Swanson and his movement because movement is a big part of Swanson's game. He loves to circle the octagon. He likes to get around you, look for those angles. You know, he likes to stand and trade, but he's a, he's a very technical is a technical brawler. That, however, might get him into a little bit of trouble with Moicano because he can't stand and bang with you. I think that his shots are probably more accurate than Swanson's. So, uh, you know, accurate shots combined with leg kicks, combined with, you know, possibly the threat of a takedown or the clinch is might impose on Swanson's will a little bit. Don't get me wrong, Swanson will definitely have a chance in this fight. If he comes out and just looks like an absolute animal against him, uh, I will eat my words, okay? I'm not going to bet a whole lot on this fight because it's it's going to be close, but I think in the end, Moicano is probably going to take it three rounds, probably going to take it nice and slow. So, yeah, I think Moicano, he takes it nice and slow for the first uh, for the first round, maybe that maybe that round goes to Swanson because he's just a bit more active. Then in rounds two and three, starts to fire off some leg kicks, uh, some nice jabs and crosses. Just you know, being just being a little more well-rounded. You know, he could threaten a, a takedown a couple of times. Swanson could definitely fight off his back, but I don't know. It. I think this one, I'm not as split as I am with with uh, with some of the other fights on the card, but. I think Moicano just a little bit too good uh, at this very moment. Uh, but Cub Swanson, he could be reinventing himself. He could be coming out and, I don't know, he could be God knows what. So, uh, I'm not too sure on this one, but I'm going to go with Hanato Moicano by unanimous decision with a 29-28 score on all scorecards. And now we are on to the co-main event of the card. It is the flyweight title rematch between Demetrius Johnson and Henry the Messenger Cejudo. Now, Mighty Mouse, his last fight was when he broke the record for the most consecutive title defences. And he did that with a 
flying armbar against Ray Borg. And now, this is not your run-of-the-mill flying armbar. This is your suplexing your opponent through the air and catching them in mid-air while doing all your taxes armbar in the air. Uh, it was nicknamed uh, the Mighty Bar. Um, but Johnson, he is probably the most dominant champion in the UFC right now. You could ma- you could make a case that he should be above Daniel Cormier in the pound for pound list, but I think Cormier should. You know, he just captured two belts. If if Johnson can capture two belts, then I think he is he is the he is the gold. He's the greatest of all time. But he has he has to get through this new reinvent oh sorry this new reinvented Henry Cejudo because when I saw Cejudo fighting Wilson Hayes at UFC 215 I thought oh it's going to be a bore fest isn't it it's just Hayes is going to be looking to fight off his back and Cejudo's going to be able to take him down so this is going to be a bore fest but he came out there in the first round and he knocked. Hayes flat on his ass. I mean, he came out in some weird, in this weird kind of karate style stance. Uh, you know, it doesn't look right coming from Henry Cejudo. But he went in there, he just, boom, fired off that. It just fired off. That, uh, that, I think, I think it was a left hand. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was a left hand and he knocked Wilson Hayes out. Then his next fight at 218, he went back to his roots. Of wrestling, he you know he went down, was you know looking for the takedowns, just looking to beat down Sergio Pettis, which you know you can't strike with with the Pettis brother because more than likely you are going to get beaten up. So, uh, you know it was a smart choice on Zahudo's behalf, but uh, I would have liked to see more of this karate style. Um. But now he's getting his title shot. You know, the last fight that they had was obviously a dominant, quick first-round title defense. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, I had to leave briefly, and I completely forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> anyway, um, what was I talking about? I think I was talking about Henry Cejudo versus Demetrius Johnson. Now, this fight, I think it goes longer than the first one because... I think this is starting to get a little bit more personal for this fight. It is a rematch, so we're going to see how both men fare. I see this one going five rounds. I think it goes to a decision. And I think Mighty Mouse takes it because, because there is no one like Mighty Mouse. I mean, Cejudo's good. He can fight. He can fight on the ground. He can fight on the feet. Well, sometimes. He, he can, you know, he's not as good on the feet as he was, or you know, he, he, I don't know. He, he's better on the feet than when he fought DJ, but I don't think that he should try and. I mean, if the opportunity is there, capitalize on it. But don't think that should be his his plan of attack to go out and strike with Johnson. I think he should look for look for the takedowns. Look to look to smother Johnson. DJ and you know DJ and Mighty Mouse, uh, on on his side of it, he just needs to do what he does to everyone. He needs to break him down. He needs to put him into a corner. He needs to throw big knees. He needs to throw elbows. He needs to make them. He wants to make them feel like there is no future for them at all. He just 
he posts them up. He wants to put a beat down on you. He wants to, you know, there's no wasted energy with him. It's not, yeah, I'm going to let it go to the decision because I can't. I already have this fight won. That's not him. If he can finish you, he will finish you. You know, some guys like John Dotson who were able to go the distance twice with DJ, that's just someone that he can't finish. And, you know, Johnson, I think he he should have been a, a, one, a 135er all this time. So, you know, he's probably a bit tougher than than most of the 25ers that Johnson does fight. So, you know, I just see DJ walking down this time. You know, who knows? Um, I think Cejudo, it's not likely at this time. I think he's just going to be able to, to go in for the takedowns and try to, you know, get the best of the scrambles with, with Mighty Mouse. But I think DJ just walks him down and... You know, there could be a shock thing where Cejudo comes out, lands uh, a right hand on on the on the retreat against Johnson, and you know knocks him stone cold out. But I I doubt it. I I heavily doubt it. But yeah, this is MMA, okay? Matt Sarah beat George Saint Pierre, so anything can happen, okay? Um, so. Yeah, I think I think Johnson he just brings in five rounds. I don't think he's gonna be able to finish him. I think Cejudo he's a lot tougher now. Um he's you know, he's bolted up a little bit, he's a bit stronger, he's faster, he's more athletic now. But I mean so is Johnson, so um you know it's gonna be an interesting one to see. But I just think Johnson I think one thing he's gonna really have in this fight is risk control because Cejudo he needs his hands to really fight because without without that, he's not going to be able to land those big punches. He's not going to be able to look for takedowns. So I think if Johnson is able to walk him down, you know, throw throw a couple of weird strikes, you know, some weird attacks, some unorthodox striking, shall we say, um, then you know, takes it. He takes it into the clinch, beats him up, holds. I think if he pulls two wrists down to the same side, then Cejudo might have a chance at a single leg. But, you know, if he holds him on opposite sides, then there's a double leg. But if he just holds on to the wrists at all costs, and, you know, it's going to really neutralize all of all of Cejudo's game because in the clinch he can still, you know, he can work his throws. He can work his... Um, Work his takedowns, but you know he all need he needs to establish wrist control for that. So if if Mighty Mouse has control of his wrists, then you know it's it's going to be a long night for Cejudo. But I'm going to say Mighty Mouse or Demetrius Johnson defeats Henry Cejudo by way of unanimous decision, and I'm going to go 49 to 46 for this. I think. Maybe, I think Cejudo will probably get one of the earlier rounds, maybe the first round. You know, he's just a bit more explosive, maybe. But Mighty Mouse gets better as the fight goes on, so I think maybe the first round goes to Cejudo, and after that, Johnson just starts to starts to play his game. And now, the main event. It is UFC 227's main event. Garbrandt versus Dillashaw 2. Or Dillashaw versus Garbrandt 2, however you want to say it. 
I prefer the latter, but this fight, I mean, the first one, I was so excited for the first one because, you know, it was it was bad blood, it was, there was a rivalry, you know, all that, but I just wanted to see them fight because, well, you know, A, the rivalry, you know, there's a good storyline behind it, everything, you know, it would be great if Garbrandt wins this one so we can get a trilogy. But when I was watching the first fight, you know how both men are just, they're, they're the best in the business right now. Garbrandt, coming into that fight, he had, he was 11-0 and with 10 knockouts. And he was, you know, he was riding so much potential. He had so much potential to be one of the most dominant champions in the UFC at only 26 years old. And coming into the first fight, Dillashaw, he was already he was already UFC champion, but he lost the belt to Dominic Cruz, who then lost it to Garbrandt. So, you know, it it the fight made sense. You know, there was a drama, there was a heated rivalry, but I just wanted to know who was the best fighter in the Bantamweight division between those two. Because I still maintain the, the winner of this fight one day, uh, you know, either we're going to see a rematch between Garbrandt and Cruz down the line or a rematch between Dillashaw and Cruz. So, this fight, I mean, the the first fight, it was so exciting because you, you just know someone, someone's going to explode at any minute. Obviously, the first round knockdown for Garbrandt and the two second round knockdowns Dillashaw that ultimately led to the knockout for Dillashaw. And I see the fight going I see I see the fight going a lot similar to the way it was in the first round. I think Garbrandt is gonna be a little more I, I think Garbrandt is gonna be a little more relaxed like he was in the Cruz fight because Cruz and Dillashaw have similar styles and and uh Garbrandt was able to put a beat down on Cruz. As sad as I am to say it. So I think if he comes out a little more relaxed, a little more loose coming into this fight, because in in the first fight he was, you know, he's very tense in the first round. He's looking for the knockout. He's looking for those openings. But I think if he's a little more relaxed in this fight, or at least if he if he tells Dillashaw that he's more relaxed through body language and you know the way that he's holding his hands, or if he's taunting at him, you know, just show him that you're more. Show him that you know he's more relaxed. That he's not as anxious about being hit or hitting Dillashaw in this fight. I think that might toy with Dillashaw because uh, I think a lot of Dillashaw's game plan coming into this one is going to be just you know he's going to make those mistakes again. So I'm just going to exploit him. You know, D- Dillashaw he has a lot of tools in his arsenal, but he does rely on other people's flaws a lot. And I think both of them have patched up their flaws. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Dillashaw did get dropped in the first round, and he's probably patched that up. And the uh, one thing on the on the UFC countdown video that uh, that was on before the press conference last night, and I'd already watched it, but I watched it again. Is Garbrandt is putting a lot of errors into his takedowns? And I know Dillashaw's a good wrestler as well. 
And, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of Garbrandt's wrestling because, well, he's a knockout artist. But I think the ground is definitely a possibility for this fight. You know, if if Garbrandt, if he's not really getting the best of the exchanges, if Dillashaw is just too fast, if he's just too good at, you know, landing his shots and pulling out before Garbrandt can start to throw, to even throw the offense. I think, you know, he's got good guys like Chris Holdworth. Uriah Faber, Justin Buckles, and uh, Danny Castillo in his corner. Those are all well, except on the except for Buckles, he's more of a striking guy. But everyone else, except for Buckles, who was a great striking coach, everyone else, it, they're more wrestlers. So I think Garbrandt, you know, if he's not getting the best of the exchanges, he can always go to the ground. He can always rely on that. But you know, Dillashaw. They originally came from the same camp. He knows. He knows. I think Dillashaw is probably more advanced as a martial artist on the feet. But Garbrandt is stronger. He's more athletic. He punches with more power. And I think he's probably going to be able to land. I think he's going to be able to land some takedowns a lot easier. But I think Dillashaw is just so unique and unorthodox in what he does that it's going to be really tough for Garbrandt to get his head around it again. Um, they they used to be training partners. They know each other's methods, but they've both kind of gone their split ways. You know, Garbrandt, he's bringing in a couple of more alpha male guys uh, to start up, you know, his own line of alpha male. And, you know, Dillashaw has been bouncing around from uh, camps to camps with, uh, with Ludwig, you know, just getting the best of what he can, you know, bringing in the best jiu-jitsu coaches, the best Muay Thai coaches, uh, just, you know, bringing in everyone good that he can to try and improve his skill set all around. And I, I respect that for both men because, you know, you need the best, you need the best around you to be the best. You know, obviously there's the whole drama storyline and I, that's that's a topic for another day. But, oh, it's it's, it's tough, it really is. I'm going to go with Dillashaw again because I, I think he, oh, I don't know. It's so tough, but I just see Dillashaw doing it again. You know, not the exact same way because they've both patched up their flaws. Not in the same way, but in a similar sense. Like Garbrandt, he's cocky after a knockdown, I think. You know, maybe by round two or three, Garbrandt, he's knocked him down. He was going for the finish. TJ recovers. And then, you know, going into the fourth, he's he's a lot more cocky. Uh, you know, he you know, he's probably controlled, you know, um his cock like his, his arrogance after a knockdown. He's probably, you know, he's been learning to reel that in a bit. But everyone becomes a little bit more confident after a knockdown. So knowing his ego, that it's probably gonna inflate by I don't know, maybe ten percent, and that that's enough for Dillashaw to get the knockout. And I think that Garbrandt he starts to leave himself a little bit open because he knows that he can hurt TJ, and he can, he can hurt TJ, but TJ can hurt him as well. And then I think the minute that that uh the Dillashaw starts to land some offense, that's when Cody he's gonna get flashbacks to that first knockdown. He's gonna start getting defensive, he's going to start getting worried about the knockout coming again, and I think that's when Dillashaw catches him with 
maybe, you know, uh, one of those switch kicks or just, you know, the, the left hook maybe. And I think he sleeps him in round, between rounds three and four, I have Dillashaw to knock out Cody Garbrandt because I just think he's more well-rounded fighter at the end of the day. But again, these fights are so split, so split on the first one. And I went with Garbrandt because I thought that he was, you know, his head movement was too good. Uh, You know, I had... I haven't really been paying a lot of attention to Dillashaw in his camp. I've been watching a lot more Garbrandt. And I just thought Dillashaw, or uh, sorry, uh, Garbrandt would land the, he would land that right hook. And he did in the fight. And I thought that was going to be the end of it. But Dillashaw got saved by the bell. Um, So, I don't know. I went with Garbrandt in the first fight because I felt that he was too quick and too strong. But now I'm going with Dillashaw, and I'm going, I'm saying that he's just, you know, he's more well-rounded, he's more athletic, all that. So I'm going to go with Dillashaw, and I think he knocks him out in the fourth round. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say the fourth round. Yeah. So, guys, I just realized the time, and I have been talking for 41 minutes and 15 seconds. And I did not even notice. That is probably the longest... This is the longest episode ever that I've ever done. I think I'm going to keep uh, the new the new average of these episodes to be maybe four, between 30 and 40 minutes. Uh, they're usually maybe about 25 to 30 minutes, but I might keep them a bit longer because there was a lot of talking in this episode. You know, I definitely ranted on about the McGregor-Khabib when it was just meant to be, you know, a little kind of... Just a little talk about it, but um, I, I went on for quite a bit about that and all the fights. Uh, sorry, but I don't have time for viewer questions, guys. Um, but I will do a lot of viewer questions in the next episode. Again, I'm sorry for this episode being late. I hope you can forgive me. But, um, yeah, sorry about this episode being late, guys. But I did put a lot of talking into this one to make up for it so i hope you guys enjoyed this uh thanks for watching make sure to like subscribe comment and share make sure to give me even more questions for the next episode i had them written down right here on my lap but i obviously forgot to read them because that's just the dingus that i am so thanks for watching guys make sure to like subscribe comment and share and until next time Good.